Greetings Blood Bowlers and welcome to the All or Nuffle podcast, your one-stop shop for all things Blood Bowl. Greetings Blood Bowlers and welcome back to a brand new episode of All or Nuffle. Today we are going to look into one of the most popular teams in all of Blood Bowl um, and that is the Dwarf team. Now I'm not afraid to admit that although they are one of the most popular teams at the moment, they are a team that I own. I have played a couple of times, and I just can't seem to make them work. So I'm hoping that, as well as using this as an opportunity to create a podcast for you guys to listen to, that doing a little bit of a deep dive, I can improve my own understanding of the Dwarf team, see where I've been going wrong in the past, and yeah, hopefully this is a bit of a learning experience for everybody involved. Now, before I get into that, I would like you to speak on um, some of the sound issues from the previous two episodes. Um, in short, um, me and my buddy Gav, who were in some previous episodes, um, we had it perfectly set up so that we could be heard perfectly. We were both really close to the microphone. There was no quietness to anybody's voice because of distance. So there was no echo, no reverb. And then just before we were about to start recording, somebody across the road from me started setting off fireworks. So we had to move to a different room, shut all the doors, shut all the windows. And the only way we could position the microphone meant that we were both a little bit further away than we would have liked. Um, so hopefully that's not going to be an issue ever again. Um, and in general, not just when it's me and Gav, but even like, for example, this episode, I have taken some steps to alleviate any sound issues and just generally improve sound quality as a whole. Um, I have, I'm going to be ordering a microphone, like a little clip-on microphone. Um, the reviews are fantastic. I've seen some videos of people using it and playing back the sound. It sounds really good. Um, so hopefully by... This is episode five, so hopefully by episode maybe six or seven, um, we've got this sound situation sorted. But for now, as long as you can hear me clearly and you're going to be able to absorb the information, that is absolutely fine by me. So let's get started on the deep dive with Dwarves. So Dwarves are a tier one team, which means they are in the top of the three tiers available in Blood Bowl. Um let's get into what I said about these being a really popular team. These, at tournaments, leagues, and all that business, are one of the most taken teams. And when we look at the players and the skills they come with, it's not hard to see why. The issue that I have is putting what's on paper on a roster and making it work on the field, putting it on the field. Um, and, you know, I'm the Dwarves are a fantastic team. I've seen people play as them and pull off some great stuff. It is purely a, sk a skill issue on my side. I think what it boils down to is that generally I tend to play um, faster teams. And, you know, that's just my jam. That's the way I like to play. There's nothing wrong with that. People can play whatever kind of teams they want. So I think I played Dwarves at a really unusual time where I'd played a couple of seasons with Wood Elves back-to-back -back, and then played a little bit with some um, Necromantic Horror, which have got some set movement seven and eight pieces. Um, and then I went straight to Dwarves, where the highest movement you're getting on your team is six. Uh, and I think maybe it was a little bit of a culture shock 
Um, so maybe if I went back and approached playing them a little bit differently, um, maybe I'd have different results. But yeah, dwarves, have, as you can imagine, they are quite stereotypically stoic and and hard to beat up. They're stubborn. They won't move anywhere. Like, And that applies to literally all fantasy stuff. In every setting of fantasy, dwarves are usually grumpy, hardy, little stubborn balls of fury and that is no different in blood bowl they are very much a team that are gonna bring the fight if you're playing against them they're gonna bring the fight to you if you put somebody in a position where you leave them as a lamb for the slaughter for the dwarves they will take advantage of it they've got a lot of hitting power and they've got a lot of stuff that stops them from being hit so in terms of bash these are right up there as one of the bashiest teams in the games now as we spoke about the detriment is the movement which means that you might do a good job at beating your opponent up and you might do a great job at stopping your opponent from beating you up but the areas that you're going to struggle is defending the rush from your opponent like if they flood into your backfield and they've got significantly more movement than you the highest movement you've got is six on your team to be able to track back and deal with that and likewise when it comes to the attacking and moving forward if your opponent's got pieces with quite a bit higher movement than you and the furthest you can get is six squares deep into their backfield it gives them a lot of time to repair it's not impossible to be able to score obviously because people win a lot of games with dwarves and it's not impossible to stop your opponent from scoring against you you just have to play quite a bit more tactful and you kind of have to play into the future and what i mean by that is you because you've got the lower movement the reduced movement you kind of have to plan where you want your players to be a turn or even two turns in advance so if you can see an opportunity where your opponent is taking advantage of a lane and you think right that player in two turns time is going to be sitting right back here and if i don't move now I'm not going to be able to do anything about it. So it's all about kind of over-preparing. And sometimes you are going to over-prepare and you may pick the wrong angle, you may pick the wrong side, and your opponent's going to, you know, take advantage of that. But if you don't play and into the future, as I like to call it, and, like, prepare for turns that aren't even upon you yet, you will come undone. You will find that opponents can rush straight past you and before you decide to react... You, they're just too far away for you to be able to do too much about it. So if you can play a turn or even two turns in advance and attempt to try and predict the future, for every time you're right, you'll think you're a genius. For every time you're wrong, you'll think, why did I do that? But I promise you, it always pays off to think about where your opponent's pieces, especially when you're defending, could be in two turns time. Now, you can use this when it comes to attacking as well. If you're looking at, for example, let's just say you're going down the left side of the field, you've got a nice little dwarven cage, you can sort of think, right, in so many turns time, I can move this cage to being six squares from the end zone, and then the ball carrier should be able to move their six squares and score. But what you've also got to do is take into account the movement of your opponent's piece and where they can be where they can be maybe i don't know maybe the scenario is that you need as well as the four players that are caging your ball carry you need to flood the backfield on that side with a couple of more a couple more of your uh, players to screen so that your cage can 
fair, there's no point getting your cage down there if when you get down there and your ball carrier is in range to score, your proponents had time to move loads of people down and screen themselves. So it's all about genuinely with slower teams, and Dwarves are a prime example of it, is it really is looking into the future and try, just trying to future-proof yourself and prepare for what could happen next turn and even the turn after that. Now, for what Dwarves... I'm not going to say what they lack in their ability to score and stop their opponent from scoring, because they don't lack. There's just a little bit more preparation required. But for what they don't have in the those areas, they more than make up for their ability to just beat the living snot out of you. Um, the the skills that they've got are tailored to surviving like crazy survival. Um, they've got skills that mean they can take on opponents much stronger than them on a one-dice block, which we'll get into a little bit. Um, they've also got access to um, one of the strongest... We won't call it a player, we'll call it a machine. One of the strongest machines in the game um, that sits at strength 7. Um, so, yeah. They are, they're fully equipped to be able to destroy your players... Um, so sometimes it may not even matter if Dwarves can't score because they might force you to concede because they get rid of so many of your players. So as we do with every single one of these episodes, we have a little bit of an introduction like we just have, and then we're going to work our way through the roster, and we're going to go through every single player, talk about all their stats, characteristics, skills, and all that business, just to get a better understanding which are these what these individual players bring to the table that eventually becomes the Blood Bowl Dwarven team. So as we do every single time when we do these roster reviews, we always start with the trusty lineman. And I am going to tell you right now, before we even speak about anything to do with the Dwarven lineman, the Dwarven lineman is the single best pound-for-pound pound piece in all of Blood Bowl. Now, don't get me wrong, there are pieces out there that are far better at, I don't know, bashing or running, but pound for pound, the cost that you pay and the stats you get with the skills, they are one of the most equipped out-of-the-box pieces in the game. So, we can take 0 to 12 of these guys and they're going to set you back 70,000 gold each, which is slightly above average, a little bit more expensive than usual, but you you get quite a lot of bang for your buck. So we've only got movement four. This is what I was speaking about when you've got that slow movement. This is only four squares. So if you think like the Wood Elf Catcher can move twice as fast as it, and the Skaven even more than twice as fast with their gutter runners. Uh, so you only got movement four. We have got strength three, which as we know is pretty average by now for the uh, for a strength for a lineman. Sorry, in Blood Bowl. Agility 4+, plus, a 50% chance when it comes to dodging away and picking up the ball and all that business. Passing ability of 5+, plus, again, this is not somebody you're going to be doing any passing with. And, to be totally honest with you, you're not going to be doing a great deal of passing with the Dwarves at all, if we're being totally honest. Um, so, we've got armor value 9+, plus, uh, 10+, plus, sorry, so apologies for that, I read the wrong one. Yeah, we've got 10 plus armor, which, as we all know, is just crazy. On a two dice attempt, two d6 attempt to break armor, 10 plus 
is a very, very hardy beast indeed. Like, I'm struggling to even put it into words. Like, there's other pieces in the game with 10+, plus, like you've got your chosen blockers and things like that. They really, really do not die very often. The 10+, plus is crazy. Um, and then with the Dwarven linemen, not only do you have the 10+, plus armor value, you've got skills as well that help and improve survivability. You've got block, which means that he's going to be harder to actually get down in the first place when you do your block action. And then you've got thick skull, which essentially removes um is a minus one to the injury rolls so for example if you were to roll an eight which would usually knock him out on an injury roll it actually reduces it to a seven and means that he's just stunned so and vice versa for you know if you roll and you injure him minus one knocks it down to a ko so they've got that extra they've got the defense to stop him being knocked down in the first place and then if you do knock them down it's going to be a little bit harder to get them off the field than it usually would be under normal circumstances this is not all they've got though you can see where these guys are the pound for pound the best tackle um tackle is a skill that essentially stops an opponent that is dodging away from you that has the dodge skill if they fail their first attempt to dodge away, they cannot use the free reroll that the dodge skill provides. Which, when you're playing against, uh, when you're playing as dwarves and you're playing against teams like any of the elven teams, maybe even Skaven's got quite a bit of dodge. It's really useful because a lot of players become quite reliant and quite they can become really reliant on those dodge rerolls uh, and can kind of become a little bit complacent. So if they forget that your linemen have got tackle. And they're rolling willy-nilly and you have to remind them, oh, actually, you can't use that re-roll because this guy's got tackle. Um, it can be really frustrating. So, pound for pound, they're, a set, they're amazing. 70k and you've got 4 movement, which is terrible. Strength 3. Edge 4 plus. PA 5 plus. I'm a 10 plus with block tackle and thick skull. Absolutely phenomenal. So, then we've got... Uh, primary access is general and strength, which is pretty, you know, you would expect that. Agility is a secondary, which for a, a race like Dwarves is about as expected, to be fair. I wouldn't expect to see any agility as a primary skill. Um, there's no passing in there, which is also not surprising. Yeah, so general and strength with some secondary of agility. So it's going to be a lot harder to get the skills that are tailored to like faster players um, as it's a secondary. So next we move on to the Dwarven Runner. Um, you can take a maximum of two of these. They're going to set you back 85,000 gold pieces each. Um, you get Movement 6, which, as I mentioned, is the absolute highest on the Dwarven team. Strength 3, which is, as we know, pretty standard. Agility 3+, plus, which is the best agility on the team, um, along with Blitzers who also have it. Um, passing a 4+, plus, Again, although passing 4+, plus is still 50% chance, the moment that you're passing at any sort of range and you have to take into account those minus modifiers, it, you're going to come undone, unless you're extremely lucky. This is not a team that you want to be doing passing with, if you ask me. Um, I'm a 9+, plus, so slightly weaker than the lineman, but as you can expect, it's a positional, it's a runner, it's designed to be a little bit faster, so you're going to lose out on strength somewhere, and in this case, it's been 
with armor. It loses a point of armor as opposed to the 10 plus on the lineman. We're sitting at nine. Um, it's got two skills. It's got thick skull, which comes as standard with pretty much every single dwarf on the Dwarven Blood Bowl team, uh, but it's also got sure hands, um, which allows you, if you attempt to pick up the ball, if you fail, you get a free reroll to attempt it without using a team one. So we're picking up the ball on a three plus. If we fail that, we get a second attempt for free with the sure hand skill. So primary access for skills is general and passing. Although I do say you're not really going to want to do any passing with dwarves if you're brave enough to want to attempt it. The runner is probably the player that you would try to develop into some kind of passer. So I think it makes sense for it to have access to the passing skills as a primary. Um, and also secondary, we have got agility and strength. Um, it is a little bit of a surprise that strength is a secondary because although this guy is a dwarf and he's designed to be a little bit faster and his armor's a little bit lower, I would still expect him as a dwarf to be quite hardy and, you know, quite tough. But you have got access to that passing if that's a route you want to go down. So you have to sacrifice your access to your development somewhere. And in this case, they've made it so that strength is actually a secondary skill. So now we move on to the Dwarven Blitzers, which you can take a maximum of two of, and they're going to set you back 80k each. Movement 5, so kind of in between the Dwarven Lyman's 4 and the Runner's 6. Strength 3, 3 plus, Adge 4 plus passing, and 10 plus armor again. So we've got 5 plus, which is a little bit better movement um, than the Lyman. We've got Strength 3, Agility 3 plus, so the same as the Runner. Passing 4 plus, again, I, I, I kind of feel like there's no point in me even reading out the passing ability column on the Dwarven team, because you just, you really, really, you really don't want to do it, and I don't know if my buddy Jason listens to these, but this part's for Jason. Stop trying to pass with Dwarves. The amount of times you have lost games or conceded touchdowns that you shouldn't have because you've attempted to pass is insane. Stop trying to pass with Dwarves. Um, so I think the Blitzer is... The Blitzer for me on the Dwarva team is a little bit unimpressive. Um, it's only got one more movement than the lineman, and it's slightly better at passing, but it's got one less skill, and it's 10 grand more, 10k more. Um, it does come with block, and it comes with thick skull. As I say, thick skull is standard across the board on the Dwarven team. I just think that for an extra 10k, I would maybe want... I would maybe want the blitzers to have tackle as well. Um, again, you can't have you, you can't have everything, um, but I don't know the blitzers. Everybody loves blitzers. You usually get blockers standard. They're usually quite tough, um, and people like to use these literally to use the blitz action in a turn. Um, but for me, I think probably the blitzer is the least impressive of all the players on the team. And I think for me, the reason for this is. I don't really know what direction I would go in with them. Like with a runner, you can like say if you're brave enough, you can turn it into a passer, or you can do the the runner, like a, a true true runner of just like giving it skills that make it better at um, getting down the field, holding onto the ball, things like that. Um, your Dwarven lineman is already so stacked with skills. 
um, that there's, you can go any direction you want with that. With the Blitzer, um, you know, I suppose you could go with like maybe turning them into cage divers, giving them some strip ball, um, things like that, or even some fury, uh, frenzy, sorry. Um, so we're getting two attempts against people. Um, yeah, I think, I'm, I'm not saying that they're not good. I think they are just the, the player that I will struggle to develop the most if we're playing in a league. And, um, you know, you'd garnered some SPP by now. It's, they, they, they are the one that I would have a little bit of a tough time deciding what direction I wanted to take them to. Nonetheless, they are a good player. Um, access to general and strength, which is expected from a blitzer, especially a dwarven blitzer. Secondary of agility and passing. As we can see, there's a theme here that agility is going to be a secondary for absolutely all players on the dwarven team. Purely because they're strong, not fast. Um, your Blitzer can actually access passing as a secondary, which we're not even going to speak about because you definitely shouldn't be accessing passing as a primary with Dwarves. You definitely don't want to be saving up and wasting your SPP on passing as a secondary, in my opinion. Um, so after we finish on the Blitzer, we move on to the Troll Slayer, and this is the one that a lot of people like. It is the... The star player for me, despite the Dwarven lineman being the best pound for pound in the game, the the Troll Slayer is just it. First of all, it's a fantastic mini. It's a really, really good looking mini. I really, really like it. It's gonna set you back. Oh, sorry, we can take a maximum of two. I always start with how many we can take. Um, they're gonna set you back ninety five thousand gold a piece. Movement five, which. You know, it's not bad on the Dwarven team. It's kind of like the middle at minute. Uh, strength 3, agility 4 plus, zero passing. It's got no passing stat. If you attempt to do any pass with this player, they immediately fail, no matter what you roll. Which, you know what? Treat the entire team on the Dwarves as though they've got, they've got that for their passing ability stat. Don't attempt it. <laughs> Um, armor 9 plus now the stat line is actually a little bit unimpressive when I tell you it's worth 95k but for me the skills is really where this piece comes into its own so we got block barring the runner everybody on the dwarven team has block a really good skill I don't even need to go into detail explaining what it is because it's just Everybody knows how good block is. Then we've got frenzy. Frenzy means that when you block somebody, if you don't knock them over on the first attempt and you just push them back, you then follow up and hit them a second time. This is mandatory. You have to follow up on both blocks. So if on the second one you only push them again, you have to follow that one up. You have to follow up. It's mandatory. Don't forget that. So many people forget it, but you have to. Um, on top of this, they've got the Dauntless skill, which essentially means that once you trigger Dauntless, you roll a D6 and add your strength to it, and if it be meets or beats the strength of the player that you're trying to attack, it makes that dice that dice roll for blocking a one dice block before you take into account assists which is important to remember so the reason this is so good is that a little troll slayer of only strength three can be one dice blocking big guys like crazy and with frenzy 
you get the second attempt, although I'm not entirely sure off the top of my head if the second block in a thanks to that you would get thanks to frenzy if you just push back on the first one would also benefit from the get the benefits from dauntless uh, i'm not entirely sure um that's something i might have to research actually uh, we've also got thick skull and primary skills general and strength with the secondary of agility as you would expect so here we go to the absolute killing machine that you don't actually see that many people take. We've got the Death Roller. You can take a maximum of one, and it's going to cost you a whopping 170k. Movement 4, Strength 7, Agility 5+, no passing ability, and Armor 11. What an absolute beast you're going to be three dice blocking so many people with strength seven it's crazy so as for skills we do have secret weapon which means that this piece is automatically sent off after it plays a single drive which unless you've got bribes is a really 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 expensive 170k piece to only use for one drive and um, it does also have stand firm which means it can refuse to be pushed back it's got no hands, which means it cannot possess the ball. Any attempt to pick up the ball with a player that's got no hands automatically fails. Mighty blow plus one, so it's adding an extra one to its armor or injury roll. Loner five plus, so we've got to do a D6 roll to see if it can use some uh, team re-rolls. Juggernaut, which I do believe allows you to roll re-roll a both down when blitzing. Dirty player plus two, which means it's a plus two to fouling and break tackle, which I think means it's... Oh, God, this is really testing my blood ball knowledge. A break tackle, I do believe, is a minus one to opponent's attempt to dodge away. Do you know what? I'm not even going to... I'm not. I'm going to put my ego aside and quickly Google it. Let's have a quick look. Right, so it actually appears that it's a plus modifier to your attempts to dodge away. Um, if you're strength 4 or lower, you get a plus 1 modifier to your attempt to dodge away. However, if you're strength 5, you get or more, you get a plus 2 modifier when you attempt to dodge away. Which I actually think is pretty good. So, it's very abundantly clear that this is an absolute killing machine of a piece that you're going to want on your Blood Bowl team in late league probably not from the beginning it's a really expensive 170k i mean if you were to spend that early on it's a really big chunky million gold to start off with for a piece that can only play one drive without bribes um so yeah um now that we have covered every single player let's talk a little bit about starting rosters um Again, I'm not the most experienced person when it comes to dwarves. However, I've got a couple of different lists that get, give you different amounts of different positionals that might tailor to different playstyles um, and give you um, different samples of what dwarves can do. Right, so let's get into some rosters. 
Um, you may find that this episode is a little bit shorter than the past couple of Team Spotlights. And the reason for that is that I've only got three Dwarven rosters to discuss with you. Um, this is partly because I am not very experienced with Dwarves. I haven't had much exposure to them as in playing them. I've played against them a couple of times and I've watched people play them. But I'm sure... Disclaimer, there are plenty of other lists out there by much more experienced Dwarven coaches who might have a little bit more variety, might have a little bit more to to offer, but I've thrown a couple of different ones together that put on a pretty good display of what Dwarves can do, as I mentioned. Um, so yeah, bear with me, and let's start with my first one, and we're going to come in at, this is pretty much the out-of-the-box one, because you use everything that you get in the box in the form of two runners, two blitzers, two slayers, five blockers, and two rerolls. So we get we max out on all position positionals because you can only have a maximum of two, uh, two when it comes to runners, blitzers, and slayers. And then we just fill up the rest of his team with blockers. Out of the box, do not be afraid to run an out of the box roster for any team, not just dwarfs for any team. The, what you get in the box is in there for a reason. The people who designed the game thought that what came in that box was enough to give you a good sample of that team. And you know what? There aren't a lot of teams in Blood Bowl where I disagree with what actually came in the box. Like, don't be wrong, there are some where I think, oh, maybe we could have done with an extra one of these or, or things like that. But for the most part, Blood Bowl does a really good job uh, of giving you enough to be able to compete well with what you do get in the box without the need to buy a big guy or or anything like that. Obviously, we know that Death Roll is missing from this. That is a Forge World item, but don't buy Forge World. Just proxy the hell out of it. Um, but yeah, these, these, this is a this is probably one of the better out-of-the-box um, rosters across all teams because you get max positionals, then fill the rest of your team up with linemen, and you still get two rerolls, which, as we probably know by now, is my absolute safety net I, I i can't imagine a world playing with less than two and um, so yeah this is a really good all-round build which is usually the case we out of the box we get to sample every single one of the positionals at the capacity as i said um, and still maintain the safety blanket that i love so dearly of two re-rolls so let's move on to the second one which is um i suppose this is for extra cautious players, and this is probably one that I may try the next time I'm playing Dwarves, if I'm honest with you. Um, because, as I explained at the beginning of the video, the troubles that I've had with Dwarves, this list could help alleviate them slightly. So, two runners, two blitzers, only one troll slayer, six linemen, and three rerolls. So, we've dropped a troll slayer, gained a lineman, and gained a reroll. Now, the reason that I think this is probably going to be better for me is I've got the extra reroll to fall back on. So if I do make a blunder, um, as I say, I'm in experience with dwarves, I've got that extra little bit of a safety blanket to potentially save me. Um, I still get maximum on runners and blitzers, which is obviously really useful. Um, troll slayers, although having two is absolutely fantastic because of skills like Dauntless uh, and Frenzy. One is still going to be able to wreak a little bit, ha bit of havoc. Not a great deal, but enough to still be able to justify getting that extra reroll. And as we know, the six linemen, the Dwarven linemen, who I ab absolutely love, are just 
kitted out with fantastic skills. So gaining alignment and a reroll is kind of worth losing that extra troll slayer. Um, this is probably the list I'm definitely going to run next, as I mentioned. Um, I just I think that the type of player I am and the way I approach playing dwarves, that extra reroll is just going to be. I need it. <laughs> um, this one is a list that I would probably run in a league as well um, because you've got the fantastic start of already maxing out two of the three positionals. You get your six blockers, which could become subs later on as you buy more players. You're starting off with three rerolls, and the troll slayer, the second troll slayer could then be your first purchase, and you are fully fully kitted out and your only focus then is either saving up for the death roller um or just putting some money aside to buy any players that need replacing if they die or anything like that and then just farming that spp and, and leveling everybody up making them more strong making them better or whatever job it is you want them to do so you might have noticed that i've done two out of the three uh rosters and you're thinking to yourself, so where's that sweet-ass death roller that we talked about, the strength 7 thing? And I did build a list specifically to include a death roller. And you, I was surprised at just how little you have to sacrifice to get it. Well, that's not true. You do have to sacrifice quite a lot. But I was surprised that it wasn't more of a sacrifice. So the death roller build. Two runners... So we've still got that movement six. Eight blockers. So the, the linemen are called blockers for some reason with dwarves. Uh, eight linemen, the death roller, and two re-rolls. That is not a crazy build. I probably wouldn't use it for a league. I'd maybe try it out in an exhibition match. Um, in a league match, you leave yourself a ton of stuff to buy. You leave yourself two blitzers and two troll slayers to buy, which is which is crazy. You do still get your two re-rolls, which, as we know, is my minimum. Um, and the death roll of this, this seven-strength absolute human lawnmower. But remember, it's 170k, and unless you've got bribes, it's only staying on the pitch for a single drive. So this is a really risky list. This is this is a list for somebody who's bought a sweet-ass death, death roller model and is absolutely determined to use it no matter what. Because I just, as fun as it could be, I just, I, I, I see it kind of being a bit of a headache list. And and you're only having trouble with it, especially in a league. Um, because what you've got to realise is once that death roller is sent off after its first drive, you are down to 10 men and 8 of them are your linemen. And as good as Dwarven linemen are, you really don't want three quarters of your team to be all linemen that aren't very good at picking up the ball um aren't very good at running anywhere at only movement for um it would make for a really rough time however i'm sure that there are people out there amongst us who are more than brave enough to take it on um so please if you do hear this and you want to give it a try please reach out to me on tiktok at bloodballbars and let me know how it goes um, because I would be very, very interested. I think, for me, out of all these rosters we've just spoken about, I think it's the out-of-the-box one. The out-of-the-box one is the clear, shining star for me. Um, you start off with everything you need positional-wise. Um, you just got to save up for that death roller if you want it. 
Um, yeah, it's the absolute best building block and best foundation, whether that's for a tournament, whether it's for a league, or you're just throwing a team together for an exhibition match. I think that it's probably the most, especially for me who has had serious problems with Dwarves, as I keep mentioning, um, I think I would only be hindering myself if I were to do without any positionals. Like in the second roster that I mentioned, you drop in a Troll Slayer and gain in the next alignment and a reroll. I think that I'd just be, I need to learn the positionals and how to use them as best I can. And if I'm dropping the amount I've got of them, I'm not going to do that as fast as I would like. So I think if I stick to the out of the box, 2-2-2 two, two, two across all the positionals, I really get a flavour for how to use them a little bit better and hopefully improve as a Blood Bowl coach. So that is all three rosters. Um, I do just want to end the episode by saying I'm really not that knowledgeable about Dwarves. Um, I've only played them a couple of times. Um, they're a team, as I keep saying, that I've had multiple struggles with on many occasions. So this episode may feel a little bit thrown together. Um, and maybe I wasn't, I'm not speaking as eloquently, as fluently as I was when I was speaking about my beloved Wood Elves. Um, but I hope I've still been able to give you a little bit of a peek through the looking glass at what the Dwarf team is, what you can expect from it, and whether or not it's a team that you would like to play. So, as always, guys, thank you very much for listening. And I look very, very forward to seeing you all for the next episode of All or Nuffle. I myself don't even know which team we're going to cover next, so it's a surprise for us all. Until then, guys, you all take care, and I will speak to you all very soon.